Hello and welcome again to another edition of Locked in Science. We are bringing you half an hour of science on your radio and or podcasting app of your choice. Who are we? Well, I am Stu and on this week's show, I'm going to be talking about a new kind of ice. Oh, a new kind of ice. Not yeah. not the uh, not the the one I fill up my ice cubes that I fill up and put into the freezer. Totally different oh, kind of ice. And um, in fact, hmm. it's not even a new kind of ice. It's probably a really old kind of ice. <laughs> okay. But has never been seen before, and some scientists actually from last year discovered a new form of ice. It's made of water, but it behaves completely differently to all other ices. Whoa, that is that sounds weird. I want to know more. Where can I know more? Well, stay tuned, <laughs> and you can you can listen to me tell you about it when we get there. But Claire, tell me, what have you got for us this week? Well, this week, Stu, it is September and it is awards season. Um, the Nobel Prizes are just around the corner. But as we all know, before the Nobel Prizes are the Ig Nobel Prizes, everyone's favourite prizes that make you laugh and make you think. So, um, yeah, this is all real research that is also pretty hilarious, um, but is also, you know, contributes to our general, you know, uh, advancement of knowledge in this world. So I'm going to be taking us through some of the Ig Nobel Prize winners this year, um, and especially one from Australia. There is Australian representation in the field of physics this year. Um, Punching above our weight in ridiculous research. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, and it's from Melbourne as well. So um, represent Ig Nobel uh, Science winners in Victoria. Amazing. Well, uh, as always, I can't wait to hear what um, magnificent research has, has won the prizes for this year. So um, looking forward to it. Stay tuned and stick with us.
there's lots of different branches of science and one of the the biggies is chemistry um, we all probably had to do chemistry of some description at school and it's so full of rules uh, but it does seem to be a pretty simple simple combination of maths dictating the way various substances interact in predictable ways that's that's my takeaway from chemistry from when I had to study it Right. I mean, I'm sure you've um, made a lot of uh, Year 12 students around the country feel much more confident about their um, upcoming <laughs> chemistry exams. Guys, well, it's just oh, maths and how maths dictate, you know, the movement of atoms. <laughs> hey, look, it, you know, as far as it goes, you can be right or you can be not right in chemistry. <laughs> that's that's kind of how it rolls. Yeah. Um, but we, okay, so we have all the atoms on the periodic table representing all the known elements and a couple of predicted ones that haven't been seen, but they're likely to exist. And we know that when combined certain ways, those atoms form molecules in, again, pretty predictable ways that have been demonstrated repeatedly with experiments to show how they consistently make those molecules. And we also know that matter like atoms and molecules behave in certain ways according to conditions in their environment and there are various phases of matter claire do you know what the phases of matter are oh you mean um like gas liquid and solid yeah and oh um and plasma and plasma yeah exactly so we've got liquids gases solids our most most commonly encountered phase of matter and we have a pretty good understanding of them and how they behave if you superheat a substance, it can create another phase of matter called plasma, which has its own properties again, and only occurs under very specific circumstances, under immense heat and pressure, like, you know, in a star or somewhere like that, is probably where we would most likely be able to find plasma. Um, You're not going to find if... plasma in your kitchen? No, probably not. Right, okay. No. Um Although, you know, if you if you built the right machines, you could probably make some. I don't recommend it. It's not, not, not safe <laughs> Great. for okay. home use. Fantastic. Now, if we take something simple like water and put it under very extreme conditions, say extreme heat and pressure, what would we expect to happen? Extreme heat, extreme pressure. You'd think it would, I guess, vaporise, turn into a gas, right? Water vapour. You would. You would think that. Mm. You would think it would turn into a gas or maybe even plasma if the pressure and, and heat was enough. But if we took water and did that to it, we would not get that. Oh. As some scientists from the Lawrence Livermore National Laboratory in California showed last year, they put a droplet of water under very extreme heat and pressure using super, super powerful lasers... <laughs> And, well, they weren't exactly surprised to find it formed a new kind of solid, which is basically hot black ice. What? So they've turned water into a substance which is solid and it's hot and it's black, but it's made of water. Hang on. Is that... Whoa, what? Have they just burnt the water? No, the water's still there. Um, but it's so black. Ice, it's black and it's hot. <laughs> it's hot. Yeah. Ice and water and have a very ice. simple 
chemical formula. It's two hydrogen atoms and one one oxygen atom, H2O. And ice crystals can form in up to 17 different crystalline patterns, depending on the conditions that they're in. Um, There are 12 distinct types of ice crystals already recorded, but they are mostly cold and they're more or less transparent, which is like the ice cubes you get out of the freezer. This uh, new black hot ice is solid, but it's four times heavier than normal ice and really quite hot. It has a melting point of around 4,700 degrees Celsius. Why is it so heavy? Because it's condensed. It's like it's like been pushed into this shape oh. by the extreme heat and pressure. So it's a lot denser. Yeah. Um, and it conducts electricity like a metal. Whoa. Yeah. So it's really weird stuff that they've discovered. What are they Possibly calling the it? Well, it's called super ionic ice. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because mm. it's super ionic. Yeah. Um, but probably the most amazing thing about this discovery is that it answers a lot of questions about some of the giant planets in our solar system, like Neptune and Uranus. They are frozen. They're not, they're not gas giants like, like Saturn and Jupiter. They are frozen planets but they could never work out what made them up because they were they were too they're too small for it to be made of regular ice mm-hmm. so what was actually making up the core of these planets and now they actually think that it's this superionic black ice that is making up the bulk of these planets so possibly uh, so these gigantic planets have weird magnetic poles And the presence in their makeup of this new superionic black ice could explain why those magnetic poles are so hard to pin down because they're being affected by the electrical conductivity of the superionic ice that's forming these planets. So the crystalline crystalline structure is quite different. The water molecules separate into oxygen, which forms a kind of cube sort of like Mm. a lattice of boxes all joined together, and the hydrogen moves around inside this framework of oxygen cubes. So it's a completely different kind of water than we've ever seen before. And is is that common in solid structures, that you would have hydrogen atoms moving throughout? It seems... Yeah. It's really unusual and it hasn't been seen before, but this research tends to suggest that this might be the most common form of water in the universe. Hang on, what? Yeah, so all of the all of the H2O, most of it is in this form of hot black ice and not in the form of frozen water as we know it at all. Um, so it's pretty amazing. But what these guys are thinking is that they can possibly get into a new era or a new area of research in materials physics. Um, The data that they collected doing this to this droplet of water matched exactly their predictions about how it was going to behave. So what they're thinking is that they can predict the way other things will behave when put under certain conditions. Mm. And what they're saying is that in the future, we may be able to create new materials with whatever properties they like. Wow. So they can build 
a substance to order based on what you want it to do, which is a pretty huge leap forward in sort of materials technology. Um, so it's it's a pretty amazing discovery. I'm still sort of amazed that, that this didn't get more attention when this happened last year. Um, it just goes to show that even in a field as well understood as chemis- chemistry, with a substance as common as water, there is still new science to discover. Science, the final frontier. These are the voyages of Lost in Science, our ongoing mission to explain strange new words, to seek out new science and new explanations, to boldly go where no radio has gone before. by the following process. First, we guess it. Then we... Well, don't laugh. That's really true. Then we compute the consequences of the guess to see what, if this is right, if this law that we guess is right, we see what it would imply. And then we compare those computation results to nature. Or we say compare to experiment or experience. Compare it directly with observation to see if if it works. If it disagrees with experiment, it's wrong. In that simple statement is the key to science. It doesn't make a difference how beautiful your guess is. It doesn't make a difference how smart you are who made the guess or what his name is. If it disagrees with experiment, it's wrong. That's all there is to it. Across Australia on the Community Radio Network, you're listening to Lost in Science.
Well, you might be like me and wondering, how did it get to September? I mean, how did it happen? I don't know. I've been doing anything. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's it's been a strange year for for the passage of time. It's been a weird one. <laughs> it's been a weird one. Um, I mean, regularly September means a lot of things. It means springtime. It also means it's close to my birthday. Just FYI, Stu. Um, and it's also the start of award season. And just around the corner will be the Nobel Prizes. But of course, before the efforts of the world's smartest people are applauded and awarded at the Nobel Prizes, um, we all get to take a moment to applaud the discoveries and research that makes you laugh and makes you think. Um, I am, of course, talking about the Ig Nobel Prizes. These infamous prizes that are awarded... um, out of Harvard, and are now in their 30th year. So what started off, I don't know if it started off as a joke, but, you know, it's been now 30 years of awarding the Ig Nobel Prizes for hilarious research that's actually, um, you know, that actually goes on to contribute to deeper knowledge. I mean, you know... it, it, it's kind of a joke, but it is real research. And I, I do often sort of hear people say, well, why did they need to do research to find that out? And it's like, well, because nobody's ever shown this before. Yes. If, if you get your research published, then, you, you know, you're doing pretty well. And there are some sort of minor little questions that people have been bothered about for years. And that's they go right. out and they do an experiment. They figure out yeah. how it works. So yeah. That's what science is. Yeah. And also some, you know, some research, you know, I'll, a lot of papers are published that aren't necessarily something, you know, a massive discovery, but are small incremental things. And sometimes these things are just really funny, <laughs> as we will see. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Stu, I will give you, without any further ado, the 2020 Ig Nobel Prize winners. Um, okay, let's start straight up with the Material Science Prize. Uh Okay, this is probably not going to be the material you expected. Um, It's certainly not going to be a new form of water. Um, But nonetheless, (laughs) this prize went to Metin Eren, who discovered that uh, knives made from human feces do not work very well. That's right. Knives made from poop, human poop, don't work. (laughs) Well, look. You know, I know there was a burning question there, and now we know. That's now right. we know. That's right. I mean, there actually was. So, Metin is an anthropologist, and he wanted to test out a story in a work of ethno- ethnographic literature that details that an Inuit man used his own frozen feces to fashion a knife that was then used to cut up a dead animal. So, you know, there was a basis for this and he um, had some time on his hands. It might, you know, 2020, who doesn't have some time on their hands um, and tried it out. Long story short, uh, it didn't work. Sounds like he also got something else all over his hands too, by the sound of that story. Yuck. (laughs) It does. It really does. Uh, Next up was the Psychology Ig Nobel Prize, which went to researchers who discovered a way to identify narcissists. And it was by looking at a feature of their face. Can you guess what feature it was? Was it their eyes? It was their eyebrows. Oh. Yeah. It's all in the eyebrows, apparently. 
Um, it sounds pretty fascinating. I definitely want to learn more about it. But in general, they found people could spot narcissists from their eyebrows. Um, and the more thick and dense eyebrows, um, the more likely they were to say they were narcissists. Is is so, but did that did that yeah. correspond with the actual people? Yes, apparently. So if you pluck your eyebrows a lot, you're not a narcissist. Is that what you're suggesting? Because that sounds I don't know. We may need to deep dive back into that research paper because it sounds like you know it almost sounds a bit too easy to to hide. You know, just. Mm. Just um, yeah. shape your eyebrows a bit more and no one can tell you're a massive narcissist. Anyway, um, stay tuned on that one, but quite quite interesting, potentially powerful research there. Uh, there was also an acoustic prize this year and um, this was uh, awarded to a team of scientists who somehow wrangled a Chinese alligator to vocalise at a really high pitch um, after getting it to inhale helium. <laughs> <laughs> Who gave ethics approval for this experiment? I know. It's, um, it's, it's a bit dubious, but, um, but there is a basis for this research. They're, they're looking at, um, they're investigating how crocodilians communicate body size in courtship and how that sort of cor- correlates to their, their vocalisation. Um, you know, if you've got a smaller body size, you might have a smaller or a, a, um, a higher pitched vocalization than if you have a larger body size um, right. and how this works with territorial claims. Uh, but, you know, just the visual of scientists trying to get an alligator to inhale helium and then um, make a crocodile bellow um, is, you know, something that's not going to um, leave my mind for a while. <laughs> Trying to trying to get an alligator to suck on a balloon is not my idea of a a, a day well spent. <laughs> they don't even have lips, Stu. How are they going to suck on a balloon? How does it happen? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Ingenuity, ingenuity, <laughs> and innovation. <laughs> um, other prizes include an entomology prize for gathering case studies on arachnophobia among insect experts. So. The researcher here concluded that fear of spiders from an early age was not overcome by pursuing a career handling insects. So they found that, you know, it's uh, thinking about it, it's sort of weird because, I mean, I know spiders aren't insects, but you would imagine if someone dedicated their life to working with insects, then they would be able to, you know, maybe get over a fear of spiders. But Just goes to show how deep-seated this fear of spiders really is. It does go to show, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but as I mentioned um, before, the Victorian scientists from Swinburne University uh, have taken out one of the Ig Nobel Prizes, and this one is for physics. Um, and they their, their study pretty much looked at uh, vibrating slightly drunk earthworms on a subwoofer speaker in a rural Victorian backyard shed. So, <laughs> what were they hoping to discover from observing these slightly vibrating drunk drunk worms? Earth, earthworms? Yeah. So, uh, one of the lead researchers, Ivan Maximov, 
in his was in his backyard and he when he considered the visual similarity between liquid moving uh, from vibration known as Faraday waves and earthworms and how they move uh, so what he did just like oh I wonder what happens if I do this he took uh, a handful of earthworms from his worm farm and temporarily sedated them with vodka as, as you do uh, when you're at home and you don't have any other, any other lab alcohol um, and placed them on a subwoofer in his garage that was temporarily set up as a physics lab as you do as well when you're a physicist they've always got a lab in the back physicists um, so then he vibrated the speaker and lo and behold they moved like water so for worm lovers out there rest assured he did return the worms back to the worm farm um that where they came to and went on their wormy way uh but what he's then gone on to show is that uh there's a similarity between this you know the worm movement and water movement and even though it might not seem that consequential um he believes it's going to come in useful as a non-invasive method of studying human brain impulses or studying brain impulses and even potentially in robotics to simulate a worm's movement. So there you go. Bouncing wow. worms on a subwoofer um, does have some potentially huge applied implications for science and knowledge. Who knew? So congratulations to all the Ig Nobel winners this year. Um, I think more than ever the world needs people who are both seeking new knowledge and also know how to make us laugh. That's all we've got time for for this week and we are rapidly running out of time. If you want to get in touch with us, you can email us. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook. We are broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network with the financial assistance of the Community Broadcasting Foundation. And if you would like to tune in next week, Chris, Stu and Claire will get locked, locked in, in science. listening to a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online.